Listen up. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the podcast participants and not to any participants, employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. You know, for fun. So lighten up and enjoy. Oh, stomping Jen. Yes. How are you? I'm great. We're here at the Soft Serve Podcast. I am Sawtooth Frank. And we are going to talk today about disc golf. What's disc golf? We're going to find out in the opening of a new disc golf course right here in our hometown of Belchertown, Massachusetts. This is exciting stuff. Mm -hmm. And to talk to us about that coming up, we have with us Chris Grazioso, Brian Giggy, and Nick O'Connor. All right, let's do it. This is going to be a great conversation. I can feel it. All right. Are you ready to go? Yep. Okay. Soft Serve Podcast. Creamy, delicious ideas without the creepy truck. All right. Oh, Stomping it. Jen. I felt like it was like short. What's short? I don't know. Usually isn't what are you talking a lot about? longer. The intro music? Yeah. I'm talking over it. Oh. So it feels shorter. Got it. And I am now slowly fading it out. Okay. Well, let's talk to our guests. Let's say hello to them. I said that we're going to be talking about disc golf and the opening of a new disc golf course here in our hometown of Belchertown, Massachusetts. And there are three people we're going to talk to about this. First, let's say hi to Chris Grazioso. Hi, Chris. Hello. And Chris, tell us a little bit how you're involved with this project. Um, essentially, I'm uh, sort of gearing up to to lend back work and general ox work uh, to the, the physical um, dragging of brush and all the, the down and dirty stuff. Um, I'm looking to get as hands-on with that as possible. So Okay. And I, and I take it, and from what I understand, my sources tell me you are a disc golf enthusiast and a competitor. Yes. Uh, just want a little disclaimer that being a competitive disc golfer doesn't necessarily mean you do well at it. You just don't stop doing it. You mean you're not professional? I wouldn't say so. Okay, okay. But, but you enjoy I do playing en- it. I do enjoy tournaments. I enjoy uh, casual rounds. I enjoy the sport all the time. <laughs> okay, so we're looking forward to hearing what you have to say about this. I, I have some, some questions for you. Um, from the player's perspective, certainly. And then we have um, Brian Giggy. Hi, Brian. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yep. Hi there. Um, yes. Yeah, so my wife and I and kids live in Shootsbury. We work in Belchertown. And we've been brought on as the uh, design firm for the course. So first did a consult on the project in January. And I think contracts were signed in July. And now we're getting going on 
uh, site analysis and checking out the site over the fall. Okay, great. And we definitely have some questions for you from that perspective too. I'm interested to pick your brain on that. And last but not least, of course, is Nick O'Connor. Hi, Nick. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you're involved in disc golf and this disc golf course? Sure. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. So um, I'm on the select board here in Belchtown, and uh, it's one of the projects I've tried to advance over the last four or five years to get some more recreation uh, opportunities here in town. Um, so it's been something we've been working on for a while. Um, this is actually our second crack at it. We can talk about that a little bit more later, but, um, also recently a convert and a player as well. So full disclosure, Chris was the best man at my wedding. I was the best man at his wedding. We've known each other for 30 years at this point. Um, he moved to town four or five years ago and, uh, tried to get me into the sport, bought me a goal, stuck it in my yard, kept putting putters in my hand and it finally took. So I'm a, I'm a budding enthusiast as well. Okay, great. Well, thank you. Um, so, Stomping Jen, yes. the first question that comes to my mind for this group of three individuals, right? And I'm, yeah. I'm going to throw this at our, at our um, competitor and enthusiast, Chris, um, to tell us exactly what is disc golf. Um, and, and Chris, I'll confess, um, before, I think I met you maybe last summer, so the summer of 2019, and I remember we were at a food truck festival and I was having a conversation with you and you mentioned to me disc golf. And, and I think it was the first time I had heard of the sport. And okay. I, I think other people may not even know that it, that it exists as a sport. So if you could mm -hmm. tell us, tell us a little bit about what is this thing that we call disc golf. It's a uh, really similar to traditional golf. Uh, but instead of clubs and golf balls, the golfer will throw a, a specially designed disc to play the sport. So <clears throat> like in traditional golf, disc golfers tee off to land their shot in the fairway, hopefully, and then you'll finish the hole out on the green. Um, disc golf has all of those things. Uh, the one major difference being that um, the disc catching device, commonly known as uh, the basket, is above the ground, whereas ball golf obviously finishes in a hole in the ground. But um, a lot of the same terminology, um, very uh, a lot of rules are are um, apply in both sports. So it's 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 a lot more like traditional golf uh, than you think it is. Okay. How did you get hooked on disc golf? Sorry, I just interjected. Uh, a friend of mine introduced me to the, the sport in 2003 and, um, I bought myself a, like a little three disc starter kit mm -hmm. and, um, forged out on my own and taught myself as, as much as I could. Um, and it was, it was, it was fun just playing solo by myself in the woods, but, uh, didn't really take off until I started playing with better players and, and my game improved a whole bunch at that point. Okay, so you've been playing for 17 years, and um, Brian, this question is, is for you, um, as somebody, I think, who is involved in, I think, in the design of these courses, um, how, how, you might know the answer to this, how long has disc golf been around as a sport? Is it a relatively new sport, or has it been, has it been around for quite a while? Um, it's it's been around a little longer than people probably know, um, but it, it's really gained traction in the early 2000s. So 
for all intents and purposes, it feels fairly, fairly new. So it got going really in the mid seventies uh, with a gentleman, uh, Steady Ed Hedrick, was kind of uh, the foref- forefront of the sport. Um, and but really from a from a you know relevance now, it really picked up a lot of traction in the early to mid two thousands. And uh, just, you know, popularity of the sport grew more courses. It, it, it went less from what is disc golf in the community perspective to how do I do this? How do I implement it? So it was less education and more, how do I actually get this in our town? So mid 2000s, like 2005, 2008 was really when it started to uh, gain a little bit more traction. Mm-hmm. And Stomping Jen, had you heard of this prior to... Um the activities um, in our town to try to get a course here. I'm curious because I, I really am not trying to be yeah. funny. I'd never heard of this. So my only uh, knowledge of disc golf actually was when I was in LPV in what, 2015? What, what's LPV? Leadership Pioneer Valley. Yeah. And we did, <clears throat> um, we had visited up in Orange, Massachusetts uh, and talked to some economic development people in this for the towns and cities up there. Mm-hmm. regionally and they talked about disc golf being a really popular sport okay. where people like it was a destination type sport that's so interesting and as a destination type of sport um and chris i'm wondering do you know is is disc golf pretty widespread across the united states and does it have a global kind of presence as well or are we talking are we talking about a sport that is pretty much confined just to the U.S. or to one region of the U.S.? Uh, it's coast to coast um, in the U.S. Some hotspots are um, uh, Minnesota and Michigan have loads and loads of courses, uh, but New England is certainly catching up. Um, it's really taking off very locally. Um, I know when I started in 2003, there's probably, I wouldn't even say... 2000 courses across the country. And now there's probably close to 7,000. Oh, wow. So, and a lot of that growth was like Brian said in the past few years. So it's, it's really exploded in the past, uh, the past few. Yeah. And do you know, is there an international presence for the mm-hmm. sport? There is. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, really hot in Scandinavia. So you're Sweden and Finland, um, incredibly popular there. Um, if you, there's some sites that have sort of active maps uh, with uh, disc golf courses, like in, a, in a, a Google map. And there are so many in Sweden, like you really have to zoom in to see the individual ones because it's, mm. it's so densely populated. Wow. Okay. Um, now, Nick, as a um, member of the Belchertown select board, so that's one of the elements of our town government, um, I'm kind of curious um, why um, we want to bring a um, disc golf course here to our town. Well, <clears throat> I guess uh, I look at it from the perspective of bringing, again, back uh, to what I was talking about earlier in, in the introduction. It's, it's more about opportunities to recreate than it is about specifically disc golf. But I think there's a, there's a worthwhile investment in disc golf uh, because of the opportunities that it provides. So one of the first things that, that um, I had asked about um, our town administrator when I, when I was first elected in 2015 was 
um, where we had open spaces or Belchertown land that was not being utilized that could be utilized for recreation opportunities. And there was there was a few identified at the time, and and this this area that we're going to talk about tonight um, was one of them. So I had really started focusing in on what types of activities could we do with those areas. You know, we're going to be um, needing more field space in the future, having, you know, related to some of the development that that's hoping to go on on Route 202. So I, I was looking to make sure that we still had enough field space for traditional recreation. Um, but then as I heard more about some of the, the new recreation opportunities, disc golf being one of them, um, I thought it was a really good fit because, you know, one of the things that we talk about in the community plan and the themes that, that you'll hear from folks here in town anyway, is uh, we want to develop more of a business space and have more people here. It's kind of bedroom community. People work outside of Belchertown, at least pre-COVID. Now there's a lot of work from home, obviously. Um, but to to bring folks into town and while also having uh, those amenities, whatever you want to call them, available to, to the people of town, but within the character of the town. Mm -hmm. So I think disc golf really fits the character of the town, which is uh, kind of New England, farm, town common, nature, artisan to a certain extent. Um, so I think that it, it's a recreational opportunity that fits within the community and culture of the town and has an added benefit of, of, of adding yet another piece to something that people may come to Belchertown to do, uh, as well as being a benefit to the people that already live here. That's great. And now this particular course, which we're calling the Quabbin Valley Disc Golf Course, um, is being developed, if I understand correctly through my reading, through the town's recreation department. Do I have that right? Yeah. Yep. So the town's recreation department yeah. is, is essentially spearheading the, the construction of the project as if it's a public park, which it, which we intended to be. So it'll be a free access public park um, maintained in some cooperation with the department of public works and the recreation department. There's also going to be um, a friends of, if you will, that'll be associated with future fundraising events and things like that to keep it operational uh, because we don't want it to, to, uh, to stress any budgets in town or anything like that. It should be completely self-funding like that. Um, but yeah, um, if you look at uh, one of the disc golf courses in the area and back to what Chris said, there's probably 7,000 in the country. There's like maybe 30 in Massachusetts and many of them are focused right here in this area between let's say route 91 and just east of Worcester a little bit. There's quite a few in that area. Hmm. Is this, um, is having, is having a course like this be, um, a public uh, recreational opportunity through a town rec department? Is that a common scenario for something like a disc golf course or any other kind of, um, recreational activity, like a golf course even? I don't know. Right. So when you think about municipal golf courses, it's a little bit different. Um, obviously, um, a little bit more involved, a lot more people. Um, and, and, and there's uh, transacting money all the time. Right. You've got bars. You've got things like that that may be going on there in restaurants as well. This is more of a park. Um, we're hoping that people will use it in the wintertime for walks and maybe cross-country skiing or whatever um, as well. So it doesn't have to be limited um, to disc golf per se, but that whole area around there, there's 45 acres or so that's between Thompson Brook and Jabish Brook. Um, so it's a perfect uh, spot for all kinds of things like that. And we're hoping to unlock and kind of open that potential up back there, but it's really modeled after what they're doing in Munson, uh, which has got a great disc golf course that's come on the scene. I don't know, in the last four or five years. Uh, and they're constantly upgrading and maintaining it. And that's all done through the rec department and the DPW. And it's, 
it's amazing. I think Chris will tell you he was out there last week and they were they were leaf blowing the pass and they take a lot of pride in it over there. They've got a metal bench at every uh, tee box, for instance. It's it's a real destination for for people to go to, um, and that's all done through the Rec and DPW department. Wow! And um, this forty five acres, it's going to be used for the um, Quabbin Valley Disc Golf Course. How did the town come upon that? Was that already townland? Was it gifted specifically for this project or some no, other way? Yeah, it's a couple different parcels. So for people familiar with town, it's up off of Sargent Street, Route 9, um, up back behind the Constantino soccer field. There's a large section of woods that will then end up, if you walk straight through it, over in a Sheffield area, right? Pondview Circle, Allen Road, places like that. Um, that was already, you know, I don't know how it originally came to be in the town. I, I did look it up. It's, it was granted to the town by private citizens. So that's not uncommon. <clears throat> uh, granting open space to the town, uh, is, is pretty common. And Belchtown has quite a, quite a bit of land like that. So, uh, it was, there are some conservation restrictions within there, um, that we were working with the conservation department on obviously, but it's, it's open space available to use for, for the residents of town. There's just hasn't been something to use it for. Um, there's not really too many trails or anything, especially at the front of it right now. Brian will tell you as he's designing the course, it's pretty thick out there. Yeah. And I think, so in my mind, when I, when I think of a, a golf course, right, I think of the, the stereotypical rolling greens, sand traps. And I think like myself, a lot of people listening to this might not even be able to envision what a disc golf course looks like. So I'm wondering, um, Chris or Brian, if you could kind of talk to us about, um, is there such a thing as a, like a traditional look to a disc golf course? And if there is, what does that look like? If there isn't, could you talk to us a little bit about the variation in course designs? Yeah. The, one of the best parts about sport is there's no, there is no typical look. So, uh, some courses can be very wide open with, you know, no trees to have to navigate. Some are so wooded and technical, it's hard to kind of visualize the, the line you need to throw. Some have elevation changes, water hazards. And sometimes a course can have all of those elements. Um, <clears throat> the, the variety is, is sort of the appeal. So you, you'd recognize it uh, as a disc golf uh, course only by the fact that you see a disc golf basket. It may just look like a bunch of woods to the, you know, the untrained eye. So, um, it's a, it's a interesting opportunity to use land, uh, in ways that normally would be sort of, uh, unusable. That's, that's fascinating. Um, I'm blanking on that stupid architect's name who, um, builds houses. So they kind of blend into the landscape. Frank Lloyd Wright. Yeah, thank you. Um, and he's not stupid, by the way, in case there are any architect um, <laughs> aficionados oh, yeah. and fans of Frank Lloyd Wright here. But um, I think his approach, right, was to use the the current features of the land, yeah. right, to um, build in habitats for human beings. And this sounds like you really, when you're when you're building a disc golf course, you're thinking about um, not clear cutting everything, and you know building a bunch of baskets, but really working with the land as you have it. Um, and so, um, Brian, I'm kind of curious when somebody says to you, we have these 45 acres of land. Um, how do you begin the process of designing a course? What do you do? 
Sure. So um, I, I kind of have a, a rough map in my head of the steps I take. Um, generally speaking, a lot of it is, is a research looking at ortho maps and any master plans before I really get on the site. What is it? Sorry. What is an ortho map? Oh, sorry. Like, um, so an orthographic map is basically what you think of like a satellite Google image. When you okay. uh, look up your address and you look at, there's woods around your house and there's a cul-de-sac a couple miles up the road. Um, so I usually will start looking at that. Just what's the context? Where are we? Um, and then, um, so when I'm on site, the not really thinking much about the holes at, in the onset, but once I get a context of, of the actual property, so this is a 45 acre parcel and a 20 acre parcel, the 20 acre parcel is more uh, parking and sports fields. So that's kind of off the radar, but the 45 acres in the back, um, what I would do is I would find the boundaries and then I would look for water. So, um, what are the constraints really? How small is that 45 acres? Is it 30 acres? Is it 32 acres? Um, from there I'd look for any buildings and then eventually I'd get down to looking for parking where people, you know, joining, where are we going to start and end? And then eventually getting down to significant on-site features, you know, and, and going around the property and kind of marking those out where the, where's the cool rock outcroppings, where are the beautiful views, where are the specimen trees and then working from those and linking them together. So the last thing we're really thinking about is, is routing and whole scale um, and more. The beginning is the bigger picture. Where are we and what do we have to work with? Hmm. So um, it really depends. You know, some of these projects take a year and honestly, some of them, you know, if I get brought in for a little nine hole municipal course and I can design it in a weekend, I will. Um, but some, some of them usually take uh, quite a long period of time. And how, I'm curious, how complicated, um, based on the land you had to work with, um, was the Quabbin Valley Disc Golf Course that you had to design? So this one's a little bit more complex. Um, first off, it's uh, I'm blessed to have a fairly good sense of direction, but it's fairly disorienting, um, mostly because it's a, it's a harvest. It's a clear-cut parcel that is now... Um, has a little bit of secondary growth. So it's, it's a little bit of work to tromp through, but because everything kind of looks the same, it's hard to get your bearings sometimes. Stomping Jen bring, stomping Jen needs to bring her compass. Sorry to, sorry to interrupt. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt. I mean, I, I don't use a lot of uh, GPS when I'm out on the sites, but this one I did the first time because I, I just need to, once again, I'm not really kind of going back and forth across the site. I'm more or less walking the boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, I walked out all the way to a cul-de-sac off Allen street and then back to find out what am I connecting to? But, um, it's going to be a great property. There's a lot of really cool rock outcroppings. There's a lot of cool topography. Uh, the challenge is going to be at first, just getting a rough layout and then second, um, making it, uh, making it have variety because like the guys talked about before, there's nice to have field holes and there's nice to have slot shots in the woods. But since this is a timber harvest forest, it could easily look like the same kind of 18 holes throughout because there isn't a whole lot of variety in terms of the, the whole parcel itself. You know, it's, it's kind of a wooded section of property with large uh, logging paths 
And that's a great place to start, but sometimes it, it feels like um, a repetition. Yeah, and it's funny. Um, as you were dropping some of those technical terms, Stomping Jen was making some faces at me. And what I have to say, in doing some research for this conversation, I looked at the Cobbin Valley Disc Golf website, which I've linked to in the show notes. So if anybody wants to go and look at it, but there is a page of terms associated with disc golf and it's like a hundred terms long it's amazing just to read through it and that's when um, when i began going through that kind of glossary of terms it began to hit me that um you know this is a this is a sport with some notoriety and um you know some prominence in the world you don't get a a hundred term glossary stomping gen unless you've gotten somewhere what's a slot shot we have our experts here. We can ask them. I don't even know if that's a term. I'm sorry. This is uh, a family show now. So. Yeah. I knew what you meant. Yeah. Um, I, I, I would think of a slot shot as a really tight fairway, couple tree, couple. So basically a tight fairway in the woods where you either hit the line right at the basket or you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, imagine, imagine trying to throw a disc down a hallway. That's a slot shot. Uh, yeah. And there was one term stomping Jen I saw for, I forget what it's called, but it's like when you throw the shot and it goes through a like an almost impossibly narrow void like between the a split trunk of a tree like it but somehow makes it through i forget what the name of the term is but that's on there is it a narrow escape shot that's <laughs> i like that i'm just i'm sorry stomping gen should be our disc golf term wait we didn't even definer. talk about like we didn't even talk about the fact that it, what a disc is we're gonna get there oh okay we're gonna get there right. i promise sorry yeah. Um, I didn't okay. read through the questions. I didn't so, do my homework. So this sound, this this sounds like a lot of work, kind of um, constructing one of these courses from the, the the initial analysis of the site to all that all that you do um, in a project like this, Brian, that involves the town. Is it a little more um, complicated in terms of? what you need to do kind of step-by-step in regards to working with town officials? For Belchertown in particular, I I don't think so. Belchertown in in my experience has made things fairly smooth and easy. Um, So uh, usually the biggest, something like this, we usually get brought in when all the boxes are checked and it's time to start designing the course. Um, after that, we'll usually run into some, you know, conversation with the conservation commission, usually wrapped around bridge crossings or uh, wetland delineations and things of that nature. But uh, we worked with uh, Erica um, on that, and she was great. Delineated the wetlands; we knew where they were, and we're just going to steer clear of them. So I think this one shouldn't be too too difficult. There's definitely been. Um, harder ones. So, so far, so great. Okay, great. Thanks. And that was um, Erica Cross, who was the Belcher Town Conservation um, Commissioner. And she was on our podcast, Stomping Jen. We interviewed her. And she was a great, great guest. So uh, people, go back and listen to that. Do you remember which one it was? Nope. No. It was episode rubber. Episode rubber. Okay. Um, <laughs> so Nick, this, this one's for you, kind of going off of that. Um, what are now? You mentioned this. This is kind of the second crack at bringing this um, disc golf course to town. Um, 
you know, from a kind of town government policy perspective, what have been some of the the challenges in taking this um, project from a concept um, to closer to reality? Um, well, it, it, all that always centers around funding, typically. In this case, that wasn't necessarily the, the situation with this one. So um, I'll, I'll give you a quick rundown. So I, I think you remember I said I had asked uh, our town administrator about pieces of property in town where we could do something. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the idea of disc golf kind of germinated. Actually, our, our current recreation uh, director, uh, Kyle Tebow, actually mentioned it a few times, brought it up uh, in his uh, during his interview process and something that he had done at Springfield College and and on and on. So so kind of came together with Chris and, and the idea germinated. But the original location for this was on 202, uh, the Piper Farm area, uh, just up from <clears throat> between the town common and the uh, kind of uh, general store in Stadler shops. shops Yeah. And we, we had always initially had a concern around parking there and I I won't get into that, but there there was a piece of property there which could have fitted. And um, to be honest, there was just some turnover in both departments, conservation and recreation, and it kind of got shelved. um, And and turns out that um, when, when we rebooted and kind of had an opportunity to look at it again, that, that, that location was deemed not to, not to be viable due to some of the conservation restrictions that were there. So as Brian said, we kind of uh, had the conservation stuff done on this second site, kind of learned learned our lesson there and had the site um, checked out for this before, you know, kind of focusing on that site, kind of had a little bit of, you know, cart before the horse the first time around. But both times the town and the CPC supported the concept of uh, the disc golf course. So after some money, uh, small dollars were spent on the, the first time around trying to get some planning underway, uh, and then that fell through because of the conservation concerns, uh, that money was returned to the CPC, had to start all over again, brand new app, grant, brand new grant application. Um, we brought in Brian as a vendor. Uh, we, we had a whole nother... Uh, pitch to give up in the Constantino field, um, which addressed some of the concerns we had with the first site too, primarily being parking. So again, the CPC and the town supported it uh, at town meetings. So um, that's kind of why we have the second crack at it. Um, what's what's great here is the town has supported it twice and, and the funding hasn't been the particular concern with, with a project like this. It's really been around the use of the land uh, and conservation. You but mentioned. I think. I think the secondary location is is we've we've learned is far superior to the first, so we we learned there. And sometimes I think sometimes better results, right, will come out yep. of. Um, uh, I don't want to quite call it a mistake, but challenges, you know, that force you in a different direction. So I think. Are you trying to say all things happen for a reason? I am not trying to say that because <laughs> I, I do not believe this was destined. Um, but what I'm, what I, what I'm saying, what I'm saying though, is maybe because of some of the, um, conservation challenges associated with the first site, you ended up stumbling into a a better site and a site that might, um, make for better play, um, with the game. That's a hundred percent with, with, with what, uh, what happened here. Um, and, and destiny, I'll give you another piece of information, which actually kind of, maybe it is destiny because originally long time ago, that Constantino field, the the concept was going to be a whole recreation complex down there with the recreation department and everything. Um, mm. So it had, it had been thought to be a place to expand recreation uh, for quite some time. And, and now we're able to do it. Hmm. That's cool. I've still never been there. Where? Oh, Constantino field. I know. That's a take a drive. Yeah. Um, so 
you mentioned grants. Um, are are the type of grants that you apply for for a project like this are they specific to disc golf or any like are they can they be used for any recreational opportunity for the town? Uh, no. So there's there's a grant which is funding a portion of this, which is our comes from our community preservation dollars. So there are various projects that that committee votes on that are submitted. Uh, by subject matter experts in, in various areas and various projects and the CPC makes decisions uh, on which ones uh, they believe are viable and worth investing in. They advance that to town meeting. Town meeting um, takes a vote on whether to expend those dollars on that project or not. So it's not general recreation. It, it is allocated specifically for this project. That said, there are other grants. Um, Chris has turned us on to some grants tied to education and PE and gym classes um, where uh, they're offering grants for, for construction uh, to offset the costs. And, and there are other grants out there that are specific to growing the sport. Um, that, that's one of the other things about the sport that's, you mentioned it, Brad, about the, the terms, the glossary. I, I couldn't believe it. But uh, when, I, when I started to just get involved this year, ironically enough, because I was looking for something to do outside the house where nobody was around during COVID, I, I didn't really pick it up until this year and talk about being able to be distant. Um mm-hmm. That's it right there. Yeah. Um, so the Quabbin Valley Disc Golf Course, um, will, I think you, you mentioned this, um, will be a free-to-play course. Are most disc golf courses free, or, is there, um, or do you have to pay for most of them? And Chris, you can answer this one. <laughs> you're, our enthu- think, uh, you're, you're our enthusiast, and I think yes. you've probably visited more of these than anyone. <laughs> um, I think for the most part... Um, by and large, they are free. Um, huh. But you know, there's there are pay-to-play courses that may have uh, perhaps better amenities or or you know, just um, I guess pay-to-play courses might keep the 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 party crowd away. Um, just you know, people have to actually pay for their their golf. They're not just stumbling around. Yeah. With, uh, so, um, go ahead. Stomping Jen. Go ahead. Well, I just think about like a traditional golf course and you have to like reserve tea time. So you don't like bang into people. Like, is that a problem if it's a free to play course? Do you have to, is there a reservation system or you just show up and it's just like a cordial community where people just figure it out? Yeah, you, For the most part, you just show up um, and it's just a, just following the course and not throwing until the, the group in front of you, if, if there is one is, is done playing. Um, mm-hmm. So um, you mentioned amenities. This may sound like a silly question, but it just popped into my head. As somebody who drinks a gallon of water a day, right? Like anywhere I go, I try to be thinking ahead about where am I going to pee? Like, or um, so do, do a lot of these courses have like some kind of public facility where you can like relieve yourself if you need to, whether it's porta potties or something, you know, a step up, a, 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 a camp style latrine or even even better a bathroom <laughs> i guess depending on the, the the course itself um it's it's uncommon to have a, a full-blown bathroom with a sink and the whole the whole okay. nine uh porta potties is not a, really a stretch um i would say i don't know maybe 40 percent of the courses i play in regularly have some sort of bathroom facility. Um, okay. But think, so 
um, be thinking ahead about that, people, when you're going out. <laughs> hey, Stomping Jen, you're laughing, but this is a real concern for me. Oh. I'm well, also remember, a- the woods. The woods are the woods, and it's yeah, okay right. to to. Uh, and, and, to yourself in the I woods. guess what you're trying to ask, though, Sawtooth, is what are amenities? Like, yeah. what does the word amenities mean for a disc golf course? Is that what you're trying to say? Um, no, no, not necessarily. No. I, I my question was actually very specific, and About how I bathrooms. how yeah, but like how I would tie this too to the way it might benefit a town or a community is if you do need to stop into the Dunkin' Donuts and you know or McDonald's or what have you in in the town that the the course is located in. And use the facilities, you know, grab a, a glazed donut on your way out or a, a Big Mac or something, you know. What what I'm saying is that the presence yeah, gas of... up. Yeah, you got to. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Stomping, Jen? No. I'm totally <laughs> lost in this conversation all of a sudden. All right. What I'm saying is even if the, um, if the courses don't have bathrooms right right go, go frequent the local business yeah that has a bathroom yeah you go in the, i'm and, still curious about what these amenities are um let's ask started? let's ask our enthusiasts i'm trying to but you keep interrupting me about bathrooms right, I mean, it's, it's it's pretty like uh it's pretty no frills for the most part i mean amenities in disc golf is like a, a garbage cans or benches or mm-hmm. some sort of table to put your bag on or um it's 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 not lofty you know uh, foot massages or anything it's a uh... well I'll, I'll tell you as a, a person that just started playing um this year multiple rounds the benches and the trash receptacles are huge um that, that's probably the two biggest amenities right there but some of these tea boxes are pretty wild <clears throat> sponsors go in and and kind of decorate them i've seen everything from wind chimes to bird houses um and on and on people kind of take care of these courses themselves the people that play them take care of them you see that a lot so that's a that's a really cool aspect about the community uh around it too um you'll you'll see where downed logs that were were there last week have been taken and fashioned into a bench across two stumps you know using the using the land that's already there and and boom you've got a bench you can put your bag down on oh that's really cool it is very cool and that that's speaks to a um, constituency um, who is really invested in their sport and these courses. Um, now, the, the Quabbin Valley Disc Golf Course is going to have 36 holes and 18 baskets and two tee boxes. And, Brian, I'm going to direct this at you. When I read that, I didn't know what it meant, really, as somebody who's never played the sport. Could you tell us a little bit of, about what those numbers mean? Sure. So I uh, hate to bring it up here, but I think that might be slightly misworded and I apologize if that offends anybody, but so it's, it's 18 holes. It's not a 36 hole course. It's 18 holes with two tees. So there's going to be like a beginner tee, go out there, family friendly, uh, check out the sport. And then there's going to be a a more advanced tee maybe for, uh, local players that are looking for a little bit of a challenge. Um, when, when I think a 36 hole course, I, I think of a place in Sabatis, Maine that has multiple 18 hole courses. So do you want to play the Eagle or do you want to play the Hawk? Those are two different course names. Mm-hmm. Um, so that m- might be a little confusing to people. If I read 36, I'm thinking there's 36 holes. Uh, I view it as an 18 hole course 
and every hole has two tees, one a beginner and one an advanced. Okay. Okay. And so this kind of leads me, um, and Chris, Brian, whoever wants to, whoever wants to take this one, um, is how is the sport actually played? I've never played golf. Like I, I like I understand, I think in, in a, in a broad sense that you, you start off, um, at, at a tee, I guess, and you, you know, you hit the ball and then you're trying to get it down a lane or something in, into a, into a hole. It, tell us how disc golf might work. Like just walk us through if I'm a, if I'm a first time disc golf player and I'm stepping up to the beginning of the, the course, what am I doing? How does this all work? That's for just anybody. Yep. Anyone could take that. Um, I guess you, you select your disc that you, you think you want to throw, uh, from the T box and you want to get your disc in the basket in the fewest uh, amount of throws possible. Okay. Is it, is a T box like on the ground? Mm-hmm. Is it like a square? It can be a rectangle. I, sometimes they're circles. Okay. Um, is- they could be poured concrete. They can be paver bricks. It can be natural turf. It can be dirt, uh, depending on, uh, you know, how, how much, uh, is invested in the course. And so on each basket, right. We're not talking about holes here. They're called baskets that you're trying to get your disc into each, um, each hole or basket has a certain, it's par, right? That's what they say in golf. It's par. That's the number of tries you have to try to get it into the basket. Is that how that works? Yep. That's correct. What do you think about this stomping, Jen? Sorry, golf confuses me. So this is even well. That's why I'm asking these. Que- that's why I'm asking these questions because I, I, again, I'm not a golfer, so I, I, All I right, literally so like don't know. Hole number five. The par is three. So generally, an average player can get it in with three attempts, with three throws, right? And then if they mm-hmm. do more, then they're not as good. If they do better, then they're. And then there's eagle and oh, what is those? The birdies and I don't know. Eagle birdie, yeah. <laughs> It's, it, they just refer to how many strokes under you are, or how many strokes over, just nicknames. Bogey right. is one stroke okay. over. Yeah. All right. So you go. So you go through each one of the holes or baskets, and you try to get the lowest score possible in relation to the par. And then at the end, you add up all the scores, and whoever is the lowest wins. Right. Yep. Is there and like the, a? There, there's out of bounds too. So there's things that can add strokes. Hmm. Um, right. So let's say you throw a disc out of bounds. You've got to go to where it exited the boundary. You can put it back in bounds and throw from there, but you have to add a stroke to your score as a penalty mm-hmm. for going out of bounds. Is there, little things like that. Is there, how does, how does one keep score on the course? Like, is there an app you use? Is there like little pieces of paper and little tiny pencils, like a mini golf course? Like, I don't even there's, know. There's both. Yep. Okay. Yeah, there's both. I would probably use an app, Stomping Gen. It's yeah. very convenient. It's now that uh, I've fully committed to using them instead of a pencil and uh, a scorecard. It's I, I don't want to ever have to do anything else. And it probably it saves all of your games for you, right? Yeah, so you can absolutely. Look, so you can track your progress. Um, so talk to me a little bit about 
discs. Um, now they're not frisbees, right? You'll you'll come to drive over here to the soft serve podcast studios and beat me to death if I call them mm-hmm. frisbees, right? I've heard this rumor that you're well, not allowed to call them frisbees. You can, however, yeah. you know frisbee is a brand, so if you uh, all carbonated beverages are not called Coke, uh, Coke or whatever. Mm-hmm. They're carbonated beverage with their own name. So Frisbee is just a, a brand of disc. So everyone kind of knows what you mean when you do say Frisbee. So I, I don't have any real problems with the the term Frisbee golf. Okay. I, I definitely know what you mean, and I'm not going to hurt anybody. Yeah, and I'm bringing that up because <laughs> they don't seem to me like what we think of as the common recreational Frisbee. Um, Chris, I was... Um, we're connected on social media and I was reading a review you posted of a disc that's coming out soon. Mm. It's going to be released. And going back to those technical terms, I, I mean, it was like trying to decipher the Talmud. There was so much like technical language oh, in yeah. there. And it, it was, it was both fascinating to me and, and con- confusing as a total amateur. So, mm. um, so it, it, it occurred to me that these these discs are engineered um, tools of the sport. Very much so. Yeah, aerodynamics, and there's a lot of science that goes into what the disc does once you throw it at the proper speed. Um, there's there's a whole bunch of science behind it, and you can get as nerdy into it as you want, or as superficial as you like. Yeah, and, um, and do they make? different types of discs for like different um, scenarios within the game. So is there a, like a tee off disc versus um, a disc where you would throw if you're 10 feet from the basket? A putter. Yeah. yeah. There's putters. There's, there's drivers, there's fairway drivers, there's mid ranges. Um, all are sort of designed to fly a certain uh, speed, I guess there's a, a recommended sort of um, speed that disc needs to get up to, to be able to fly the way it's been designed to fly. Um, so very fast discs are, are drivers that you'd use for long distance shots. They're tough to throw for beginners um, because of what they call arm speed is, is nece- it needs to be very fast in order to get the disc up to speed in order for it to fly. Right. Mm-hmm. That hopefully that made, made some sense. Um, so for the most part, beginners will be using slower discs like putters and mid-ranges um, until they really get a hang of it. This is going to sound like a stupid question, but um, do you do stuff like weight training or like flexibility exercises with your arms to be able to get up enough strength and like snap power to throw a disc? Stomping Jen is looking at me like I'm crazy. Uh, I mean, I, I fiddle around with kettlebells, but not for that purpose. It's more stretching and, and being able to be limber and not hurt yourself. I want to ask, moment, I, I, I got to ask Brian to weigh in on this. Are you aware, stomping Jen, look, she, this may be the dumbest question I've ever asked based on this look question. I'm getting. Brian, do people train in a specific way to be able to throw discs? That's a good question. I, I would think uh, the professionals out there on the tours that are making a living off of it yeah. do to some degree, right? Actually weight training and and, and footwork, uh, just like any profession. I, I would think the vast majority, like ourselves, probably don't. Um, and, and you'll see as you do it, not, not to basic down, um, you know, get this super simple, but it really is snap of the wrist. 
Mm-hmm. So uh, if you got a really good snap on a disc, you can throw it quite far. Uh, if you throw it like a Frisbee, which in my opinion is more arm than wrist, um, you'll see that there's a pretty good learning curve to start the sport. So okay. professionals think- probably train pretty seriously. Um, people on our level, probably lesser. So go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, Nick, oh, go I ahead. Say, there's a, there's a thing. So I was watching, uh, so there's a disc golf network now, um, uh, channel and they, and they, and they're starting to broadcast live events. Uh, so this weekend was the, the men's and women's player tour championship. It's kind of like the masters of disc golf, I guess you mm-hmm. could say. Um, but they, they have legitimate commercials and everything like you would see is during a football game with, with disc golf products and, and, and lifestyle and clothing and all that kind of stuff. But there was this thing um, where you basically attach it to a wall and it looks like a disc and it's got a rubber band on it. And, and you, you set it to the height that you're supposed to be throwing the line you're throw, supposed to be throwing on generally across your chest or whatever it is. And you, and you work that for, for muscle memory. But the, the two uh, women that competed today for the tour championship, I'd be surprised if either one of them was, taller than five, seven and maybe 115 pounds. And they were cranking the discs um, <laughs> uh, just unbelievably far. So mm. I, it is really about technique as opposed to physicality. Um, uh, and, and again, like regular golf, you see, you see golfers of all shapes and sizes, uh, ages, genders, and, and all these m- kind of micro adjustments that you can make with either your grip or your stance, you know, that's where you get better. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's not so much throwing, getting stronger as it is getting better technique. I, I think I would snap it really well. <laughs> <laughs> so here's a question I have. Um, the few times I've swung a golf club um, and tried to hit the ball, um, both alone in the context with friends who have tried to teach me the skill. Traditional golf, we're talking. Traditional golf. Thank you, Stomping Jen. Yeah. One of the things I kind of divined from those experiences is that, like, there's a certain element of like unconscious magic in the execution of the swing, right? Like, you line up your feet just right. You line up your feet just right, you you swing the golf club back, and then like you just something happens. Something Oof. happens and the ball just goes, right? Like there's a there's an unconscious element to the execution of the swing in golf, in my mind. Maybe I'm wrong. But so I'm curious if it feels similar in disc golf, like when you throw that frisbee or like disc. That sorry, stomping Jen. Sorry, I did it. Um, so I guess what I'm asking is, 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 it, is it a similar kind of feeling or experience when you're throwing that um, disc and at some point there is an unconscious kind of element to the, the swing or the throw? I guess after a while it becomes unconscious just yeah. with repetition and, and muscle memory and stuff like that. And <clears throat> um it just, it's really hard to explain until you get it. And then once you do, it can be almost unconscious. Like you step up and just throw. I, I don't have to think too much about, you know, some throws. Some you really, really have to rack your brain. Like, how the hell am I going to get this disc down there? Yeah. 
the stomping jar. And we're going to have to try this at some point. Yeah, this I'm, I'm getting more convinced of this. Um, I, I have a stupid question. Here. Go ahead. So ultimate Frisbee, which is not disc golf. Is that like football? So I would say more like soccer. It's um, like soccer. Mm-hmm. How come they're allowed to use the word Frisbee? Because I think they use actual Frisbees. Like branded Frisbees? I think so. Well, yeah, there's there's a whole bunch of brands that that supply them, um, but for, I don't think Frisbee is one of them. But uh, that's interesting. I, maybe they've they haven't had uh, such a visceral sort of reaction to the no no uh, litigation pending on the not that I'm aware ultimate of. Frisbee franchise. Okay, sorry, I had to ask. All right now, question. are these are these discs expensive, or do they range? I'm curious how expensive they are. They cost a couple hundred a piece. Are they less money? I mean, a new off-the-shelf disc can cost as little as six or seven dollars, mm. and then some. You know, the the community is pretty nerdy when it comes to the product, and there's some limited edition discs that sell instantly and and hit eBay instant. You know, in yeah. within hours for you know forty dollars. Is it the material and like the weight of it that makes it like more or less aerodynamic? Like how does like how do how do you make them different for different shots? Uh, basically, whoever's designing the discs has to sort of engineer stability into the flight of the disc. So, like let's say you take a, a paper plate and you throw it right. with your right hand. Right. Uh, backhand if it makes sense right um with the disc spinning it, when it comes out of your hand that's a clockwise spin um a paper plate will want to just turn over to the right spinning clockwise mm-hmm. so basically what disc manufacturers had to do is to engineer in stability to make it resist that <clears throat> and so they've sort of figured out the aerodynamics and the science to keep it from not only flipping over, but some that are really hard to keep from going in the opposite direction that they're so overstable. Hmm. So there's, and there's every permutation in between fast discs that, that are very understable. So there's slow discs that are very overstable and everything in between. It's, it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's kind of mind boggling at first when okay. new players get into the sport, they see all these products and, <clears throat> but it's it's a very wide range, so it could be different materials, different kinds of plastics, mm-hmm. different design. We're just going to have to get out there, Stomping Jen, and mm-hmm. give this a shot, mm-hmm. see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, in regular golf, stick golf, as I like to call it, because you hit the ball with sticks, stick golf. You mean clubs. Sticks. Um, st- in stick <laughs> golf, people navigate around courses in carts. Um is that the same now? From what I'm understanding, from what we've talked about so far, um, people mostly get around disc golf courses by walking. Yeah, that's true for the most part. Okay. Although uh, there are some disc golf courses that are are shared space on actual live disc golf, uh, regular traditional golf courses. So carts could come into play, um, but that's not always the case. Huh, that's interesting. So, and I think that's a good business 
um, model for um, stick golf courses. The sport is kind of on a decline and um, course owners sort of need to recoup yes. money somehow. And, and a lot of them are really catching on that there's, it's a viable uh, crowd. Mm-hmm. Are the, golf can bring money. Are the stick yep. golf aficionados mad about this? Is there any controversy circling? I've never experienced it personally, but I would imagine uh, growing up, there was sort of a snowboarder versus skier thing. Mm-hmm. I think it might be like that, but to a lesser degree. Um, once people actually see what's going on, it's it's really not that different. And a, a, a golf club will do more damage to a golf course than a disc will ever will. That's so right. to share that space is very easy to sell. It's it's not mm-hmm. a a tall order there. Yeah. And I, and I, and I think for me, it might come down to some um, maybe cultural differences between the sports and types of players. Um, So when I think about stick golf and the the culture I associate with that, and I, and I may be stereotyping and being prejudiced. I think of, I think of business. I think of corporate i think of politicians you know hatching schemes on the golf course um it does 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 disc golf um and and anyone feel free to answer this does disc golf have kind of a a a culture that's formed around it and is it something you're comfortable describing to us my perspective is that I ha- it has a being new to it is it ha- I don't know if culture is the right word, but community certainly is. Mm-hmm. So we, we talked about, um, you know, people making benches, uh, local businesses dropping off extra wood chips because one of the, one of the people play there. Right. I've been out with Chris a ton of times and I've seen <clears throat> kids as young as eight or nine years old out there with their with their mom and dad on a, on a hike and all four of them are throwing discs to. Um, there was a gentleman that Chris and I let play through last week and he played with us for two or three holes. We had a great time. Um, he was in his mid to late fifties. He was out there by himself, his wife and, uh, were kids were at a, a local farm stand and he went out, you know, for an hour and a half to play 18 holes. There's definitely a community around it. Um, uh, that has some reverence for the sport and, and the places, right. The, the take your trash in, take your trash out. So a lot of the behaviors around what, how people the players are similar. I don't know if I go so far as to call it a culture because I've mm-hmm. seen all kinds of people out there. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I think it's interesting. And, and I'm trying, I'm trying to think back to what we were talking about a little bit before about how some of these courses are more rural, right? They um, may not have so many um, like immediate amenities. Right. And I, I feel like, just the the design structure of the of the the sport and the courses may force people to be more conscientious and be more community minded, um, especially in some of these um, more um, community driven enterprises. You know, people have to put put the care and time in to keep them nice themselves and um, build them up. I think that's interesting. Can I ask a question? So earlier, somebody mentioned about how the tea, the the holes, the baskets that themselves are like sort of sounded like you were describing like they were tricked out with like different like um, like birdhouses or whatnot. Like, are they are they all standard looking, or do they like make them unique, or like is that is there a cultural thing around like you know the sponsors designing their 
their baskets with That's like a, good a look. Question. Well, I think the baskets will all be the same. I think, I think Nick might have alluded to, let's say, uh, someone who sponsors Hole Two mm-hmm. has a memorial to his uncle who who played disc golf. So there's a special thing there that they do for their hole, sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, not unlike when Kramer uh, adopted the Mila Highway. Yeah, <laughs> kind of like that. Yeah, kind of made it, gave it his, his own flair. Yeah, like not like a mini golf course where like. Uh, no, 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 no windmills or, like or loop de loops. Okay. <laughs> Although you know people can you know sort of decorations on the yeah of course like yeah that's kind of what i was, wouldn't expect but yeah that's sort of like you know what i was thinking like you know like artsy or mm-hmm. stickers yeah, I've seen that or a whole bunch whatever. yeah we're actually encouraging that through the fundraising efforts that are going on now with the with the sponsor a whole we're 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 trying to engage those sponsors to to because of the community that we just talked about where everybody kind of takes takes ownership of it as players, as, as people are involved in the building of it. We want the sponsors to actually um, be welcome to have some ownership of, of those holes and, and make them unique. I think that's one of the things that, that we want to see out of this course that might be unique um, to other courses. You see you see the sponsor tags at many of these courses. Um, and, and granted, the quote-unquote amenities we were talking about before, the tee boxes like benches and things are are probably uh, done by the people that that caretake the course or the players. Um, but we want to get the sponsors involved in that as well. Yeah. And if anybody listening to this is interested in sponsoring a hole for the Quabbin Valley disc golf, um, I have a link to the, to the websites and the Facebook page in the show notes, go in there and there, there are tiered levels of sponsorship. Um, they can get you um, various levels of recognition at a whole. Do I have that right folks? Yep, that's right. Um, there's, there's, you know, um, some some perks like that being mentioned in the advertising, being mentioned on the website, and things like that. But the the net of it is, is that you sponsor a hole, mm-hmm. um, and that and that hole kind of, for all intent and purpose, belongs to you. We and we want to encourage those those sponsors to to utilize that. Not not so much for branding, but you know, their their signs are going to be there. Uh, they're already going to have their brand there. But if they want to uh, cultivate that in some way. Uh, we want to encourage that. You'll see a lot of these disc golf, disc golf courses go through changes and progressions. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times they'll start out with with dirt tee pads <clears throat> and and a bot, you know, and, and the goal setup. And, and over the course of a couple of years, you know, some more funding, some more fundraisers happen, and the the dirt is removed, and, and you're doing crushed dirt and railroad ties. And then maybe at some point you're upgrading that to to fake grass or or pavers, you know. And you'll see these courses go through those changes, and they don't shut down and do all t- 18 at once, you'll see these little changes kind of organically happen and little upgrades happen. And, and we're hoping to kind of build up a momentum with some of the sponsors that we've selected. That's great. And from what I, from what I understand from reading, you've, you've had a pretty good response so far um, from. We really have. People. The community has been the community in particular business owners in, in our community and, and the surrounding community have been, have been very generous. Um, we're about a third of the way there um, where we want to get to. And uh, we've got a really, good committed group of volunteers that have really kind of dug in and, and uh, kind of taken on this, this mission for lack of a better term. Mm, that's awesome. Let's give it a uh, stomping gen. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the other things I was reading that and I thought this was great is that um, kind of um, from the design perspective, um, the Quabbin Valley disc golf course is going to have some um, American with disabilities act, um, accessible um, 
holes. Um, Brian, can you talk a little bit about um, how that came to be and kind of the maybe some of the design elements of, of, of those um, accessible um, holes? Sorry, I'm just struggling, Stomping Jen, with what to call the different They're ADA things. accessible holes. No, like hole, holes. Holes are a basket. I keep thinking of stick golf, and it just sounds strange to me as I'm saying it. But So I'm really curious, Brian, if you can talk a little bit about designing some um, ADA accessible elements of um, the Quabbin Valley Disc Golf. There you go. Course. Yeah, that makes this course very unique for sure. Um, so broad brushstrokes on disc golf, one of the selling points is, is usually that the parcels are unbuildable slopes or next to riparian corridors that don't necessarily lend themselves to flat soccer pitches or basketball courts or things like that. Um, so you don't find a lot of ADA accessible stuff on disc golf courses. Uh, if you do, there's usually maybe one hole, the first hole, the ninth hole, the 18th hole, a shorter version of one of those where um, it's a fairly flat hole. Uh, I know there's a course up in Maine that has, um, you know, crushed stone, really compacted gravel that is actually stroller and wheelchair friendly. That's a little bit harder to commit to on most courses because of cross slopes or roots and rocks and things of that nature. So um, one of the nice things about Quabbin Valley disc golf is right between uh, the first and 18th hole is a fairly flat section of land that could lend itself to three holes um, that are kind of in the shape of a triangle where you can tee off on the first hole and the third hole finishes back near that first hole. And you can have folks out there um, trying it without having to commit to going out in the further reaches of the property, which are pretty um, rugged in some, in some sections. So I'm not exactly sure what those three holes will look like in terms of the application on the ground. If it would be uh, just natural, if someone would put something in that was absolutely um, flat and stroller wheelchair friendly. But uh, when we think of ADS, ADA accessible, we think of less than 8.3% slope um, and minimal cross slope that's not always something that's um, achievable. So mm -hmm. I think there is some grace there with the powers that be, but uh, do our best to make three beginner friendly holes that um, folks can try experience the course itself um, without having to commit to the larger 18 holes themselves. Yeah, I think that's great. And I think it actually fits into um, something I think I'm, I'm proud of as a resident of this community is the focus on accessibility in our recreational mm -hmm. opportunities, whether it's the um, accessible playground that we had built here, mm -hmm. um, this sensory trail that they're fundraising and going to build, mm -hmm. I think, in the future. And now this, I mean... Um, Jen and Nick as select board members, like I, I, you know, I think that's something that the town, you know, should be a proud of and makes, it can make us a destination, you know, um, in, in and of itself is our focus on, um, you know, accessibility. Do you want to help us with our marketing efforts for the town? Me? Yeah. Of course. <laughs> okay. That's what we're doing right here. All righty. 
No, I'm just, I'm, I'm no, saying. it's true. It's a hundred percent true. And, yeah. and, and I think it, I think that, that might be a differentiator, you know, yeah. for, yeah. for our community. We, you know, we're yeah. really focused and care about accessibility and providing opportunities for everybody. So I just, I had to mention that when, when I read that, I began thinking about all of those other things that we're doing here mm-hmm. in our town. Well, so. I'm glad that you picked up on it and we're hopeful that other people will think will also pick up on that. I'm also. A, 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 You're very in tune. Very in very tune in human tune being. All right. So, okay. Um, so quick question. Let's, when, when the course is open, um, how, how will, and Nick, you may have talked about this a little bit up at the front of the podcast. Um, when it's open and everything's going, how, how is it going to be maintained and in, in, in even improved? Is, is that going to be done through the town rec department or will it be done through volunteers? And like how, if you could talk a little yeah, bit about that. It's going to be, it's going to be from multiple sources. So it's definitely going to be from volunteers. I'm anticipating there'll be a, a club um, that, that is kind of a board, so to speak, that, 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 that makes sure that um, there's visibility on the courses, uh, maintaining the course, getting, getting in touch with the rec department, working with the rec department as, as a stream of volunteers, essentially, right? Um, players, uh, families that are, that are interested in, in doing something around the course, maintaining the course, fundraising for the course, whatever the case may be. Um, that's ancillary to the rec department. It's, it's a town park, um, again, similar to Munson. So um, there will be some um, responsibilities and accountabilities for the Department of Public Works and, and the rec department as well. And we've, we've started discussing those things. We talked about trash receptacles before being an amenity, but, um, you know, when you, when you walk around, it's not like regular golf where it's four hours. So, so you might get through it uh, sawtooth without having to pee. It'll, it only takes about two hours. <laughs> I'll um, have to pee. <laughs> um, which is another advantage, by the way. You can get out and get two hours of, of decent exercise without committing your day to it with, like you would yeah. with, uh, with sick golf. Um, but that amenity is really huge because you, you've got the uh, you know water bottles and things like that, right? So I've seen um, uh, where they're collecting water bottles at the, at the exit and then returning those uh, can excuse me, cans and returning them um and, and generating some some revenue that mm-hmm. way um doing the recycling on the bottles um there's a big lost and found uh, back to the back to the community again you put your name on a disc and some of them have an old u.s postal mailbox and you put the lost and found in and you're sure to get your disc back which is another nice thing about the community i lost two this weekend i got two texts before i before i got home so um with pictures of my disc and here's where they'll leave it which is great but but yeah there's going to be I think really three groups that are going to be, you know, the DPW and rec, I, essentially the town, the town portion of it. And then some, some form of club um, sponsors, you know, volunteer stream that will, uh, that will help with the inertia and keep things going. Cause again, it, need, it needs to be something that we're not putting a burden on the town yeah. to maintain. So that community and user support. And one of the things in following um, Quabbin Valley disc golf on social media, I just saw was that, um, there was kind of a community-focused um, crowdsourcing of the logo, which I thought was great, which was um, doing kind of a logo contest with the community. So having um, people who are interested in disc golf or members of Belchertown or adjacent communities like come up with the logo themselves. And so I, I was just, that struck me as a, a really interesting way to get 
um, people involved in thinking about this project, right? Um, and invested they, in it. Go ahead. I think they just voted on it. Uh, oh, they just voted on it? Maybe. Yeah, well, the, the, the community didn't submit. Yeah. Uh, the community voted on a selection. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I mean, so... But we'll, still, there was community involved. Yeah, I'll walk yeah. that back a little bit. Yeah. Um, I'll take all those accolades, Brad. That's what we were going for, yeah. Yeah, um, <laughs> but, I, I think, but I think that is great, right? Um, is having the community be involved in important decisions like that, yes. right? Um, yes. Gives them a sense of agency. So I'm wondering, um, kind of going forward, if... Uh, Coabin Valley Disc Golf is thinking about other ways to engage with the community as it moves towards its goal of opening. And even beyond that, are there things you're thinking about or dreaming about in terms of community engagement? Uh, yeah, uh, I'd like to see, you know, something that uh, Stompy Jen and I have talked about quite a bit. Um, you know, we've got the food truck festivals here in town, you know, you know, hashtag no COVID, but, you know, in, in a regular world, we've got the food truck festivals here in town. We've got the winter night lights. We've got a lot of things that have come up um, in the last four or five years in particular um, through the Bustown Cultural Council and others. Um, I think this is a great opportunity. Uh, Stop Jen said she hadn't been to Constantino Field. It's, it's amazing up there. It's huge, right? And we don't use it. You could easily fit um, what we do on the common every year for, for the town fair up there. It's, it's that big of a space. Um, when you include the soccer field, the T-ball field and all the parking and everything. So, um, yeah, I have big plans. I, I envision that, um, it can be, it, it, it will be able to have tournaments there, uh, at some level anyway, um, and, and have that be an activity that's going on while maybe there's, there's music playing and there's an artisan fair and a farmer's market and, things that you can walk around and do up there and partake of watching, uh, watching folks, you know, stand off in the woods and watch folks play, play golf as well. I think that can all be incorporated together. Um, it's certainly, uh, something that, that, um, that I'm thinking about. Okay. I think that'll be great. We mm -hmm. could have a, um, Music festival. Well, I was thinking about a podcast festival, a but podcast fine. festival. <laughs> I yes. cannot imagine a podcast festival. We'll just set up my little table in the you field. You can there. have your little table set up, and then there could be music. What's wrong with that? So let's get back to disc golf, stomping oh Jen, goodness, please. Um, <laughs> so, um, as we're as we're nearing the end of this. Um, Brian, Chris, Nick, um, anything else you want to tell us about the project, the Quabbin Valley Disc Golf um, Course Project? Anything else you feel like you want our listeners to know? Um, what to expect next? How they can help? What have you? Don't all speak at once. Well, I'll, I'll say, you know, I, I want everybody to be, you know, certainly the, those in the community, um, that, that, that have an interest in, in, in seeing this happen, either to play it or, or to have their kids play it or just to have another opportunity in town uh, with a place to walk through the woods that you've never seen before <clears throat> that this will now make accessible. Um, it's going to take a lot of community effort. Um, you know, Chris led off with uh, kind of the grunt work, right? We've, we've got to get in there. You know, Brian's doing the design and helping us with uh, the logistics, but um, there's going to be some sweat equity that needs to go into this um, uh, that 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 isn't funding that isn't fundraising it's it's really getting in there helping with some clearing uh and taking some some ownership of the course um uh i think that's exciting for volunteers too 
uh, get engaged with uh, because you're, you're you're out on a hike again. You're seeing something you haven't seen before, and you're kind of cultivating the land of the town. So wh- whether you like disc golf or not, I think there's an opportunity for a lot of people to get involved in the the building and construction of it, um, just as a just as a project in the community. Thanks, Nick. Um, Chris, um, Brian, anything else you want to add about kind of um, what to expect next? Um, from a design perspective, it's going to be pretty quiet until the leaves come down. So there's not going to be a whole lot of progress until probably November, December is when we're going to do a lot of the design work. I think we have on the schedule for about March or so. February is when um, clearing can begin. So it's kind of to that point that uh, just knowing that it's coming, where the course is exactly, um, and then helping if if they can, because uh, it, it, it can be a wonderful resource even just outside of disc golf. You know, disc golf is going to provide a really strong framework on that parcel, but um, there could be geocaching out there. There could be cross-country skiing. There mm-hmm. could be. Uh, snowshoeing it it really is a a wonderful parcel and it's so large that um if designed correctly there could be multiple uses out there without with no conflict so in terms of this popping up overnight it's not going to happen too quickly but uh spring is definitely going to be the time for getting out there and helping if need if they can and just knowing that um this is coming and hopefully folks can get behind it and enjoy it all right great and um, our enthusiast, our competitor. Um, I could go so far as to call you a cheerleader of the sport, Chris. That's um, probably the closest uh, the closest description of what I do. Do you wear a skirt when you're cheerleading? Depends on the, the venue, really. It, it's got to be appropriate. <clears throat> are, um, are pom-poms involved? Come on, you called him a cheerleader. Let me have some fun. <laughs> you, you can have all the fun you want i'm just sitting here well i mean i've uh i've been a cheerleader for long enough to get my friend nick involved in the game i mean it, it there you go it took some doing but i i never gave up i i had great spirit You're, and, uh, well my converted my him. my interest is peaked although it's hard to um pull me away from the soundboard but i <laughs> i do anticipate trying to get out there at some point and seeing what this is all about yeah. uh, but um Chris, I did want to give you the opportunity if you wanted to say anything about about the project or any final words about that. No, it's just it's incredibly exciting. Uh, you know, as someone who I'm I'm willing to travel easily an hour or more to to play a course uh, to have something that I can get to quickly and and often is is tremendous for anyone who plays a sport just to have a course nearby. Mm. Um, but the the sort of community that it, builds around it is is really unique uh, mm-hmm. you know you you start seeing the same faces over and over again from you know drywallers to anesthesiologists mm. uh, all ages and from everywhere there's 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 a uh, it's really impressive mm-hmm. uh just the wide swath of of personalities and it's it's always fun to sort of sort of uh rub up against it but to develop that community to see it from the beginning is going to be really uh, unique for me. Now I'm like full of ideas for like, like demo day and like, we love ideas, like pull together like a whole, like, um, like to, to start getting the community engaged now so they could start learning how to, 
how to play like well i think i i mean i'm only um doing my typical um half doing my typical self-serving um um, propaganda. Uh, I mean, this podcast is a, is a good way to get the no, no, word no, no, out about no, it. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You know? No, agreed. I'm, I'm not saying that, yeah. but I'm saying like, I think it's the kind of thing you need to like go out there, grab a disc, touch it, feel it, yeah. see it in mm-hmm. action. But, but I think, kind of deal. I mean, I mean, also I think there are some people who le- give them ideas. No, no, I know. But I also think there are some people who legitimately may not even know about yeah. the sport or that this is happening in our community. So yeah. I think those, those are great ideas. Stop Jen. As we're running up against the end here, anything you want to say, you are a town official. Who me? Yeah. It, I mean, any final words on this, um, Quabbin Valley disc golf oh, I'm um, excited. course? Okay. I'm excited. Okay, great. All right. Um, Brian, Chris, Nick, I want to thank you for coming on here to the soft serve podcast and talking to us about this. I learned a lot. I had some fun. Stomping Jen. Yes. Any thoughts? Slot shot. Slot shot. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's your takeaway. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, those, those might be good words to end on, on another show. <laughs> but for this show, we're going to set slot shot aside. All right. And we want to say thank you yeah. to our three guests. Um, and um, I, I hope this, I hope this thing drives to completion in a quick way, and we can get out there and we can <laughs> <laughs> stomping Jen, stop it! I hope this. I'm sorry. Drives to completion in a quick way, and we're all able to get out there on the course. Is, is that a golf pun? <laughs> I, I'm sorry. She's killing me. Let them go. Guys. I'm like a 15 year old boy. Oh, you're laughing at completion. Oh, my God. We may need to let them go. There's some energy in the room that I was not prepared for. Um, no, but um, um, all... Thanks for having us. All fun, all, all, all fun aside, um, thank you very much. I, th- I, I think this is going to be... Um, I think this is stomping Jen. You threw right. me for a loop. I'm sorry. I'm going to edit that right. out. So, listen. Yeah. <laughs> Go be, ahead. be safe out there on the yeah. disc golf course. Wear a mask. Yes. Make sure you vote. Yep. And to our listeners, I have to say, um, we continue to love you, each and every one of you. Thank you for listening. Tell a friend about us, and um, we'll see you for the next episode. All right. Right, Stomping Jen? That's right. Bye now. Okay. Bye now. Thanks, guys. Bye.
All people will come to live together in a peace guaranteed 